Welcome to the Spirit of Praise broadcast coming to you from Tabernacle of Praise Church International, York, South Carolina. I'm Bishop Alfred Jackson. I'm thankful that you've tuned in today. I pray that the message will bless you and impact your life in a powerful way. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the message. In verses 2 and verse 2 and then verses 17 through 19. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Verse 17. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine, Though the olive crops fail and the fields produce no fruit. That's, we just finished saying God is good and his mercy endures forever. Oof. Though there are no sheep in the barn and no cattle in the stalls. You see, we don't have sheep in the barns. <laughs> Though I lost my job, my bank account says zero. Lord, have mercy. And I don't have a prospect of a job. Yet! (laughs) Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God, in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Hallelujah. And this is for the director of music on the stringed instruments. So this is to be played and sang in the sanctuary when the saints come together. I mean, you know, I think it should have been some praise going on. I don't know if y'all caught what the, what the prophet said. The prophet said, I don't have a job. I don't have income. My bank account is at zero. I don't see a prospect of a job. You see, our problem is that we're used to having. But that might come a day when you don't have. He said, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I want to say that again. He said, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God and God my Savior. Why? Because the sovereign Lord. Ah. Because the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and enables me to tread on the heights. Hallelujah. I want to talk about biblical perspectives or biblical perspective on life's vexing questions 
on life's vexing questions. Have you ever had any questions about the Lord, about how he does things, and why things don't happen the way it seemed like they ought to happen, or why it didn't happen the way the prophet said it was going to happen, or the word that you read and it didn't happen the way it said it was going to happen. Habakkuk gives us a few answers. So Lord, thank you for your word and the power of your word. I thank you that when your word goes forth, it will not return to you void, but it will accomplish all that you desire. I thank you, Lord, that you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. Thank you for sending your word to us today. Thank you for what your word will accomplish in our lives as we trust in you. It's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Mm. As I was reviewing this message, I think this morning, there was a check in my spirit about talking about a biblical perspective because it presupposes some things. It presupposes that we believe God is real and that he is actively involved in the lives of his people. And it presupposes that we believe the Bible. Amen? We believe that the Bible is the word of the Lord. Amen. So some, some people who, not people in here, but some people who hear this message or who would deal with this may not agree, and that's fine when people don't agree. Yeah, because Paul said, let as many of us as be mature have this mind, and if anybody's otherwise minded, God will reveal even this unto him. So if you disagree, it's okay. One way or the other, you're either going to eventually end up believing God and trusting him or end up being eternally separated from God, and that's your choice. And nobody can change that but you. Amen. So biblical perspective. So, so, so those of us who want to know what the Bible says on life's vexing questions, and, and I will admit to you that I have asked the Lord some questions in my walk with him over the years. Because you see things that you just don't understand. Sometimes you experience things that just doesn't feel right. But there's always a bigger picture. So we want to know what the Bible says. And this is the season of Thanksgiving here in the United States, and of course, this, this day was declared a, a national holiday by President Lincoln in October of, 19, of 1863, uh, so that we would have a national day of Thanksgiving, and it was always the last Thursday of July. But its, its history goes back to the early days of our country. And it's modeled on a 1621 harvest feast shared by the English colonists at Plymouth, Virginia, and the Wampanoag Indians. 
So we think about this season and we, we, we realize that, that as we give thanks with a grateful heart, that there are a lot of people that don't feel so thankful because of situations and circumstances of life. Yeah. I was listening some, somewhere or another, I saw this, I think it was on a Facebook reel and, and this particular lady um, that you all know, but I don't remember her name, so I can't, I see her face, but I can tell you her name. <laughs> but she was talking about how she's done all of these things uh, in the movie industry and the awards that she's gotten and the level of her achievements along with others like Meryl Streep and, 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 and other people that she mentioned but yet she's not, get, not getting paid the money uh, that these people are getting paid, you know. And, you know, I understand that many times uh, we're the, we used to be, and sometimes today we're the, what they say, the last hired and the first fired and laid off. Sometimes we, we experience that, and sometimes we have fought as people to get equal pay and, and equal rights. And, but in the midst of all of that, in the midst of the difficult circumstances of life, we have to be thankful. We have to be thankful. You know, when we think about where we've come from as a people in the United States of America, and we often only think about ourselves in the United States of America, and we forget that there are people all over the world who have experienced some of the same things that we've experienced in this nation. But when we think about where we've come from, it's important to be thankful. Oh, yes. When I look at my house, I'm thankful because I remember when we lived in a three-room house and there were at least there were at least six children living in a three-room, not three-bedroom house. Yeah, I remember going to the spring to get water and going to the outhouse to use the bathroom. I remember. Yeah. So, so even if I look at a situation today that that might not be so good in my life, I'm thankful for what the Lord has done. And from where the Lord has brought me. Amen. Yeah, yeah. So, but there are other people that are, that are not so thankful. Yeah. And then there are those of us who are thankful, but yet we still have questions that we would like answered, or at least find a happy medium amidst the things that we're going through in our lives. I think that's important. Sometimes we just say, yes, Lord, but in the back of our minds, we're not settled. Our consciences are not settled. We, 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 we publicly praise the Lord and privately we're vexed because things could get 
should be better from our perspective. Yeah, yeah. So I've been doing this devotional on living by faith, and this is an important thing for us to study. I don't care what point you are in your walk with the Lord. Uh, I've been doing this devotional, this focus on living by faith, in the midst of plaguing questions and difficult times, and it's based on the book of Habakkuk. And in this devotional, I found some things that can be very helpful to the believer, especially to the younger believers, younger in the Lord, but also for those of us who are more mature in the Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because along this way and in the position that the Lord has, has placed me, I found that, that there, are, there are people who are, who've been in the Lord a long time and even proclaim the word of the Lord when difficult things happen, it seems that their faith is shaken. I'm, I'm talking about preachers and prophets and evangelists. Their faith is shaken because they don't understand why. Let, let me tell you, it's, it's bad to get to the point that you think you deserve good all the time. That's a dangerous place to get to. Yeah. <laughs> Just a simple scripture. When David said, yea, though I walk through the valley, where? In the shadow of death. Sometimes we're going to walk not on the mountaintops, not on the peaks of the hills. Sometimes we're going to walk through the valley in the shadow of death, which means death can be all around us. Let me tell you, sometimes death is not necessarily a lion or bear. Uh, the shadow of death can be a bad prognosis that the doctor gives you. But he says, yea, though I walk through the valley in the shadow of death, I will do what? Why? Oh, that makes all the difference in the world. When God is with you, you know there is no reason to, to fear. So in this, in this book, I found some things that are very helpful for us. Even as mature believers, when it comes to dealing with the vexing questions of life, so in chapter 3 of this book, uh, chapters two, 1 and 2 deals with Habakkuk questioning God and really complaining because he doesn't understand what God is doing and why God would allow his people to suffer. He doesn't understand even when God speaks to him and says that that, that God is going to use this wicked nation, the Chaldeans, or the Babylonians, very wicked, very wicked people, ruthless people, that God is going to use them to punish Judah for their sins. Did you ever get a whipping by your parents and you ask why? Why? 
You didn't ask why. Lord have mercy. You see, you didn't see what your parents saw. And you weren't looking down the road that your parents were looking on. Because they wanted you to turn out good, so they had to deal with you in your bad situation. So Habakkuk was looking at the Jews as God's chosen people and you know, even though he knew that they were sinful and there was a bad things going on, but why would God use a nation that's more wicked than them? And see, that's still a dangerous thing because we compare ourselves to other people. So God, why would you allow me to go through this when that person over there is living all kinds of ways and, and just not giving you any glory and any honor and they're doing all kinds of wicked things? Why? Why would you let me? After all, God, I'm your child. I've been preaching a long time. I I fast and I pray and I praise. that's That's that mentality that I'm better than the next person. And I shouldn't be going through what the next person goes through. So this is this is this is uh the situation that that Habakkuk is, is dealing with. And another situation, and well, let me just talk about these two vexing questions uh, that, that's kind of that's dealt with in, in here. Why do the righteous suffer? And why doesn't often appear, appear that God is silent? And we hear that question a lot. Why do the righteous suffer? Or we say, why do good people suffer? Some of us have looked at the war in Ukraine and asked the Lord, why? Why would, why would this wicked nation, Russia, invade Ukraine and then kill innocent people? Somehow or another, and I don't, you know, when you deal with the, with the mechanics of war, it's really difficult for you to have a war and only kill soldiers. Innocent people are going to die. If war ever comes to the United States of America again, you will see that it won't just be the military people who die. But a bomb is indiscriminate. Just like a bullet. If you're in a crowd of people and somebody fires, the bullet has no name on it. So we we may say, God, why? These people seem so good. Uh, President Zelensky is a Jew. Why would they be suffering? Jews are your people. But we don't see what God sees. And we don't know what God knows. And it does seem like God is silent. Even when black people suffer in America, sometimes it seems like God is silent. And there are those who condemn the church because we don't always jump out and get in the marches and on the front lines speaking out. I've lived long enough to know that you need to be careful before you put your name out there with every march that comes along and every situation that arises, 
and every perspective that people have. You need to be, be very, very careful. So sometimes when it seems like God is silent, he knows what he's doing. And sometimes when it seems like the church, is, church leaders are silent, maybe we're silent because God has not spoken. I can't march because you want me to march. Because I am not your servant. You didn't call me. And I am not responsible to you. So I have to stop and look at the situation and ask the Lord, what should I do? Because God's stamp of approval is not on everything that happens. So I look at this book of Habakkuk. Couple of things I see. First of all, for the preachers, every preacher has an assignment. You see, Habakkuk's experience with God was not simply personal. Habakkuk had an assignment as the prophet of God to seek God's face, to receive revelation from God about what God wanted to happen in this situation and to speak forth the revelation that he received from God to the people. He had an assignment. Yeah. yeah. So we have an assignment. Every preacher, every prophet, every evangelist, every teacher, every pastor, we're not simply delivering a message that we concocted or that we pulled out of a book or that we pulled off the internet. When I was in seminary, one of the assignments that we had uh, in Either it was either homiletics, one one of the assignments in some class that we had, was to develop a year-long theme of preaching. That was the most difficult thing for me to do, and I and I shared this with I may have shared it with all of the ministers, but I know I shared it with Trevor. And I, you know when I when I when I when I when I when I got the assignment, I had to do it because. I had to get a grade. You know, I'm, I'm in school. I'm not failing the class now. And I wanted an A, so I had to do the assignment. But my question was, how in the world can I, in January, prepare for a sermon in December? What is God going to say in May? What is God going to say in August? You see, as a preacher, our responsibility is to, 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 to meditate, to pray, to see God's face and receive revelation from him about what he wants to say in a particular situation. Now, God does know everything, but our finiteness is too limited to contain 
everything that God's going to say for a whole year. So I don't even do that today. I don't, I don't try to plan for July. I'll try to plan for every Sunday because I want to hear what the Lord has to say to you today. The evils of tomorrow is sufficient within itself, Jesus said. Don't, don't, don't worry about tomorrow. See, we, I may not be here, be here in July, so I've prepared a sermon for July that I may not preach. Somebody might read it to you, but then that's still not a revelation that God gave to them for you. So I can't even go to a book and pull a sermon out of a book and preach it because there has to be a revelation that God speaks through the prophet to the people and if it's a sermon that I pulled out of a book, that was to somebody else. That was not to Tabernacle of Praise. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so every preacher has an assignment. We have to study. We have to pray. We have to meditate. We have to study some more so we can see what God is revealing from the Scriptures, rightly divided, and then proclaim that revelation to the people. So preaching is not just getting up reading the scripture and expounding on it. It's revealing to you what the Lord has said. In this book, Habakkuk is revealing to the people the things God showed him that would and did happen to the people of Judah and to their enemies. In this process, Habakkuk asked God some questions, some deep questions, because he didn't understand what God was doing. How long? How long, Lord, must I call for help? And you don't listen. You don't listen. How long must I cry out to you? Violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoings? Why do you tolerate destruction and violence? There's destruction and violence before me. There is strife. Conflict abounds. It seems that the law is paralyzed. It seems that justice never prevails. The wicked him and the righteous. Oh, I remember reading in the Psalms when he says, seem like the wicked prosper. Sometimes we feel like that, right? Wicked people prosper. They don't care about God. They don't go to church. They don't read the Bible. They just prosper. God, where are you? God, why do you allow these things to happen? God had an answer for Habakkuk. And when you read, when you read this book, you have to read it with the understanding that Habakkuk is praying and asking God, and God is giving Habakkuk an answer. All right? So what do we learn? What do we learn from, from Habakkuk? Well, a couple of things that we learn from Habakkuk. 
We're talking about a biblical perspective on life's vexing questions as we strive to live by faith. Yeah. So the first thing we learn is that Habakkuk had to alter his perspective on the ways of God with mankind. Yeah. He had to alter his perspective because Habakkuk was looking at this thing from a humanistic perspective. And he was looking at this thing from the, from the perspective of, we, God, we are your chosen people. All right? We should not be going through this. I mean, maybe he was, even though he dealt with the, 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 the wickedness of the Jews against their own people, but, but in the overarching picture of things, God, we are your chosen people. And God, why would you choose the Chaldeans of all people to punish us? Like, God, why can't you just come down here and whip us? <laughs> Somebody did a sermon on, is it dangerous things that fall in the hands of an angry God? Yeah. But, but saints, we tend to judge things from our limited perspective. And our limited perspective is both, you know, it's, it's limited um, in a lot of ways. Our, our, our worldview is limited. Uh, environmentally, we're limited. Uh, we look, we, we're judging things from right where we are. In the, in the families that we grew up in, in the communities that we grew up in, you know, and, and one of the reasons that missionaries uh, did some, some, some things that were not so good um, in the early days of missions and maybe even now is because when we started taking the gospel again, because the gospel was already on the continent of Africa before the United States, we started taking the gospel again to Africa and other undeveloped countries, then we started imposing our Western worldview and way of thinking and way of doing things on the people, uh, not realizing that the world is bigger than the United States, and that the Bible was not even written from a Western perspective. The Bible is written, written from an Eastern perspective. And even today when we minister, I was just doing some studying about the shame and honor culture uh, that a lot of times, because of our African roots, we come out of a shame and honor culture. But, but when you're ministering in places like India and, and other eastern places, uh, eastern countries, there, there are things that's just not going to happen uh, that you just, just can't impose on people because it's not like it is here in the United States, and I, I think I've said this before. A child can accept the Lord as Savior and his parents can be heathens. His or her parents can be heathens and it doesn't matter. But in a shame and honor culture, your son is not going to accept the Lord without thinking of his parents. Because when you change from your, your faith to a different faith, you dishonor your parents. You dishonor your lineage. And that's why Muslims, one of the reasons Muslims will, will kill uh, people, their children or what have you, when they do certain things. Because honor has to be restored. 
And that's one of the ways of restoring. We don't understand that. That's not our perspective. So we've taken our Western perspective and we've made it right. And I, I really believe this is why one of the reasons that a lot of nations hate the United States of America. They view us as a Christian nation, as unchristian as we are. So, so we, are, we, we are limited. We judge things by our limited perspective. And, and this is what Habakkuk was doing. But, but, but as Habakkuk dealt with the Lord, as Habakkuk, so, and this is why it's so important to seek the Lord. It's so important to pray. It's so important to meditate. It's so important to read his word. And I'm, I'm going to come back to the word in just a moment because we need more than our limited perspective. If we're going to get Biblical answers to vexing questions in life, and especially, why do the righteous suffer? Come on, we, we've seen it. We've seen faithful people die from cancer. We've seen faithful people suffer and pray and pray for healing, and, and healing doesn't come on this side, and, 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 and we see them suffer, and we see them die. We've asked the question, God, Why? We've asked God, why are you silent? God, why are you not speaking? So we need God's perspective. And Habakkuk had to change. And what the Lord is saying to us, saints, is we must change our perspective. Yeah, the world is much bigger than us. God has concerns that's bigger than me and bigger than you. You think about, and you've heard me preach this before, about being on assignment. So if we're, on, if we're in this life on assignment, who sent us on the assignment? God sent us on the assignment. Okay. So we, the song says, my life is not my own. To you I belong. So I give myself to So if I've given myself to the Lord, I no longer belong to myself. So on this assignment, any way God chooses to use me, whether in life or in death, it has to be all right with me. It has to be all right. And we have to, we have to, we have to embrace this perspective, saints. It can't just be, remember now, Habakkuk is on assignment. This is not personal. Habakkuk is the prophet of God, and what God speaks to Habakkuk, Habakkuk speaks forth to the people so that the people can embrace it. So it can't be just Habakkuk's perspective that his life belongs to God, but the people have to embrace that their lives belong to God, and whatever God, whatever way God wants to use our lives, whether in life or in death, it has to be all right with us. We don't act like that. Mm-mm, because when people die, some of us act like the world has ended. We're pulling them out of the casket, we want to pull them out of the grave. We can't bring people back to life. What is God doing in the midst? What is the testimony? You know, Pastor, Pastor, Pastor Robin Gould passed away 
uh, the other day. And I'm sure that was shocking. And when we hear of men of God dying, when, when, when the pastor and his, his wife and, uh, from the Bahamas died in that plane crash, we're like, oh, no. How could something like that happen? But we have to back up and say, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? What does this mean for the advancement of your kingdom in the earth realm? Because we are not indispensable. Whatever way God wants to use us, it has to be all right with us. Uh, yeah. And, and, and so, so Habakkuk, Habakkuk had to come to understand that whatever way God wanted to do this thing, it had to be all right. So this, this prayer that Habakkuk prayed, it celebrates the satisfactory answer that the Lord gives to Habakkuk's complaint. And when Habakkuk gets his answer, he says in verse 2, Lord, and, and I'm, this is another point of the message, but I want to use it right here. Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Revive, the King James says, revive thy work, O God. Revive them in our day. Then I've says, repeat them in our day, in our time make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. So God, 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 I accept that, 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 that out of your wrath, you have to deal with this situation. And you have to deal with it according to the way you see it, not the way I see it. The only thing I ask God, that you be merciful, merciful on us. Whoa, and God is merciful. Oh, yes. His mercies are new every morning. Because if his mercies weren't new every morning, you and I wouldn't be sitting in here right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just remember, remember mercy. Yeah. So, 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 so here... He, he, he emphasizes the human agent in the outworking of this pattern. And chapter 3 reveals its inward dynamic in the sovereign agency of God who implements the covenant through whatever earthly means he chooses. You see, God didn't forget his people. God has just implemented his covenant. Now, we're in covenant relationship with the Lord. God has responsibility in the covenant, but his children have responsibility in this covenant. Do you remember Solomon when he prayed in the temple? We pick up at chapter 7 in 2 Chronicles. If my people which are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek your face and turn from that wicked way, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. But we, we don't go back and read the other parts of Solomon's prayer. But Solomon is praying for God to hear them from this temple. And he says, when we sin, he said, because we're going to sin, 
Your people are going to sin, so we need to not walk around like we're not going to sin and we, we don't sin. He said, we're going to sin, oh Lord. He said, but when we sin, Lord, have mercy on us in essence. God's answer was, if, he didn't say when. Can somebody say if? Yeah. What's the difference in if and when? If is, what did you say, conditional? It may happen and it may not. When is, it's going to happen. See, some of us are still in the if category. We haven't made up our minds whether we're going to serve the Lord or not. We're made up our minds whether we're going to repent of our sins or not. If, God said, if my people. And he was talking about those who are not in covenant with him. He's dealing with covenant. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn the conditions of the covenant. Amen. And turn from that wicked way. Then, that's definite. Then will I hear in heaven. Then I will forgive their sins. Then I will heal their land. Oh, the whole earth is groaning and waiting for the manifestations of the sons of God. For we're making up our minds what we're going to do. And we wonder why, God. We wonder why do the righteous suffer. We wonder, God, why are you silent? Because we're yet, we're yet making up our minds. I, don't, I didn't intend to preach long this morning, but I didn't get a chance to finish preparing my message, so this is a long one. I'll finish it right here in the pulpit. Is that okay? It may as well be, praise the Lord. Amen, because that's what's going to happen today. Amen. Amen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Woo! So Habakkuk stopped challenging the righteousness and power of God and, 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 and as an evidence in, in chapter 3, verse 19, in verse 19, he says, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He made up his mind, I'm not going to challenge your righteousness any longer. But l- let me back up a little bit in this. So he, he had to change his perspective. And in changing his perspective, he made a promise to God. He made a vow to God to watch, to wait, and to hope for God to ask. Now, this hope is not uh, just an empty, empty decision that, that Habakkuk have made, has made, but he made a promise. He made a vow to watch, to wait, and to hope for God to ask. For God to ask. act, not ask, excuse me. Verse 16, Habakkuk said, I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones. I prayed God and, and, I, and, I, and, I, and, and I thought about all these things and I got to come back to, 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 to thinking about all these things. I heard your answer. I thought about all these things, 
And, and it made my heart pound. Judas, we're in the midst of, at this point, in the midst of captivity. And God, you're saying it's going to get worse. At this point, it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. Somebody says, you know, there's an old saying that it's darkest before the dawn. Mm. Well, at this point, it's going to get worse. And that because that I heard and my, my heart pounded, my lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones. My legs trembled. Yet, yet I will patiently wait for the day of calamity. Uh, he didn't say I'll patiently wait for the day of deliverance. He said, I will patiently wait for the day of calamity. But the calamity is coming on the nations invading us. Then he said, though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crops fail and the fields produce no food, Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle. I mean, it was desperate, y'all. So calamity was going to come on the nations, but the the Jews were not finished going through. You may not be finished going through yet, but you got to make a promise. You got to make a vow to watch, to wait, and to hope in God. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God, in God my Savior. Why? Because He's my strength. The sovereign Lord speaks to God's, uh, God's right to do what He wants to do, when He wants to do it, how He wants to do it, and to trust Him in the midst of it. He made a promise. He made a promise to watch to wait, and to hope in God. We talked last Sunday about not looking, for another, not looking for an alternative. Same thing here. God, I'm not going to look because, listen, there's no alternative that's going to work. What we see when God decided to bring judgment upon the nation of Judah, at this point they had to go through it. There'll be times you just got to go through it. Because there's no alternative that's going to work. You say, Pastor, that doesn't sound very hopeful because I'm tired of going through what I'm going through. But what you going to do? What's that man, Dr. Uh, was it Zavakian? That was a suicide doctor, the man that was, what, what was his name? Zavorkian. Kovorkian. It was somewhere in there. I think he died already. Yeah. So what are you going to do? You say, well, I'm going to check out of here. I'm going to kill myself. But now you stand in judgment of God. What are you going to do? Watch. God, you said this. Now, and this is so key. God, you said, I heard what you said. Isn't that what, what he said? He didn't just, I heard what you said. And this is a real key to this, to this, to this uh, change in your perspective. 
He said, I heard of your fame. Right now I want to talk about God, I heard what you said. And I am going to wait. I'm going to watch. I'm going to wait. And I am going to hope. And and I said the hope is not empty because Jesus said that the hope we have in God will not make us ashamed. Will not make us ashamed. Watch. Wait. Hope for the Lord to act. The psalmist said I would have fainted. Except I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So, the psalmist said, I would have given up. I would have lost hope. But God, I, I believed. God, God, I, 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 I had faith. God, I waited. I watched. I hoped in you until I saw your goodness in the land of the living. See, when you, when you walk with the Lord and you walk with, with people in the Lord, there's some things you're going to see. You may not see or be able to discern God's goodness in your life right now. But the faithful have a testimony. So you, you got to walk with some people that's been walking with the Lord. You got to hear the testimony of some people who've been walking with the Lord. I, I happened upon another little video, and I, I like these little videos. And this old lady was, was, was testifying. She said, you know, we, they, don't, they don't testify in the church anymore. She said, we got to get back to testifying because people need to hear your testimony. Your testimony will bless somebody else. Somebody is going through what you've been through and your testimony. You got to walk with some people that's been walking with the Lord so that, so, that, so that you can wait long enough to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So I can even think back to when, when, when I was a child and, and in the Baptist church, people didn't believe in healing you know, back then, they didn't believe in too much anything, but they would preach the word. They believed Jesus died on the cross for our sins. But, but, but on Sunday morning, Mama would be watching Oral Roberts. And Oral Roberts would be talking about healing, be talking about deliverance. And, you know, it's like I, oh, I didn't pay much attention to it then, but, but the Lord brought it back to my remembrance because when I got older and I started preaching, uh, I realized that, that God is a healer. I mean, he doesn't just save us, but, but he heals us. An old preacher, I was praying one time in a revival, and an old preacher says, he says, he says son, uh, you ought to not uh, ask the Lord to heal people because it may not be his will to heal people. I thought about that thing, and, you know, I'm, at this point, you know, I hadn't just started preaching, so I didn't, you know, you don't rebuke old people. You just, you know, you just don't do that. You know, that's just disrespectful. You know, if you can't give them some wise advice, it's, it, you bring judgment on yourself rebuking an older person. 
So I took what he said and I thought about that thing and I said, no, 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 no. The word of God says by the stripes we're healed. The word of God says that, 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 that it's the will of the Lord that we prosper and that we be in health. The word of the Lord says Jesus took our sicknesses and our infirmities and he nailed them to the cross. And even now I pray, God, if you nailed them to the cross, why do we have to deal with it? Yeah, healing belongs to us. That's why I pray. Healing is the children's bread. It's our portion. So we come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. I'm not, I'm not going to walk around here saying what I shouldn't say. I'm going to say what I should say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, but, but that, that testimony of my mother from a child stuck with me so that today in my walk with the Lord when sickness comes upon me, I know what to do and I know what to say. People been calling me. I told Pastor Ball yesterday. He said, Dad, you getting enough rest? I said, yeah. I said, you know what I realized? I said, I realized this situation has been giving people the opportunity to say to me the things they've been thinking for a long time. Bishop, you go too much. Bishop, you do too much. Bishop, you need to rest. Blah, 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 blah. And everybody I talk, you need to rest. You get enough rest. Blah, 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 blah. That lets people, that lets you know what people have been thinking. People are not thinking God give him strength. People are not thinking God heal his body. People are not thinking God be with him. God keep him strong. Amen. Very few people have said to me, God, God will keep you strong. Amen. God will, God will fight your battle for you. God will, very few people, people have been saying, Bishop, you're getting your rest, you're getting your rest, you're getting your rest. <laughs> Ooh. Now, let, let me, I got to finish this. All right, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you make a promise to the Lord to watch, to wait, and hope in God? Yeah. Hab Habakkuk made a promise. He made a promise. And what does he do while he's waiting? He made a promise to watch, to wait, and to hope in God. So, 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 what does he do while he's waiting? He extols the virtues of God. Now, this is a prayer. And remember, at the end, he says, for the director of music, for the minister of music on the keyboard. Speaking to you, Brother Kenton. <laughs> And to every minister of music because we lead the, the people into the presence of God. That's why praise and worship is so important in the, in the sanctuary. In the praise, in the worship, he extols the virtues of God, the power of God. Hallelujah. He says, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. He said, God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens. He extols the glory of the Lord. People need to know that God is glorious. He extols the splendor of the Lord. He even extols the wrath of God and extols the mercy of God and extols the grace of God.
But now I want to back up and come back to this I heard. See, not only, not only must I see the testimony, if, if, if I'm going to get the right perspective to these vexing questions, not only must I walk with people and, 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 and hear their testimony, or, or see their testimony, Habakkuk said, I heard of your fame. Now, 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 when Habakkuk goes through this, when you read this, Habakkuk is not saying, God is revealing this to me right now. Look at this. Habakkuk kind of recounts God's history in dealing with his people. At one point, he even, he even, he even talks about when God caused his son to stand still. This, this is the kind of God we serve. So, so saints, it's difficult when you're going through and you don't understand what God is doing or you don't hear God and it seems like God is silent. If you don't have the perspective of the word, you don't have the history of God's actions. And it's right here in the book. It's right here in the book. You can read everything else. You need to read the book. Because in the book, it's going to build your faith. Yeah. In the book, it's going to talk about what God has done. It's going to tell you that God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So if God did it for Abraham, God can do it for you. In the book, it's going to talk about, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, uh, 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 David, young David. Teenage boy fighting Goliath and, and killing Goliath and, and there's some Goliaths in your life and you seem small in the eyes of Goliath, but in the book it's going to tell you what God can do. So you, 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 he said, I heard of your fame and, and our God is famous throughout the earth. We're proclaiming God's fame. People are coming to faith because they're hearing God and you need to hear of God's fame because in troublesome days you need to be reminded of God's fame. You need to be reminded of the kind of God that you serve. When your enemies are coming up against you or even if you feel like God is using the enemy to punish you, come on, let's be real. Sometimes we need a whipping. Even if God is using an enemy to whip you, you need the record that's written in the book. If you can't hear what the preacher is saying, if nobody's around you to preach to you, there is a record in the book to let you know, hallelujah, that God will move on your behalf. Last thing here that I want to point out to us. As we deal with this issue of getting the right perspective on vexing questions, you, you said that, Pastor, you ain't gave me the answer, but it's the perspective that matters. Because in this book, in this book of Habakkuk, the main point is the just shall live by faith. Yeah, is that right? The just shall live by faith. The righteous one. Now, we're justified because of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Everything may not be right, and everything is not right in our lives, but because Jesus died on the cross to satisfy the divine justice, and we have exercised faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, his righteousness is attributed to us. So God calls us just. God looks at you. He doesn't look at you from the perspective of the bad thought you had yesterday. He doesn't even look at you from the perspective of your lack of faithfulness to the body of Christ. He doesn't look at you from the perspective of any sin that you've committed. He looks at you through, the, through Jesus, and he sees a righteous son or daughter. He does. We don't continue in sin that grace may abound. Because he's not just looking at the physical, he's looking at your heart. But, but the Bible says the just shall live by faith. And this thing really kind of blessed me when I read it. One thing is sure. God knows the necessity of his intervention for faith to be victorious. Did y'all get that? God knows the necessity of his intervention in your life. Here, for the, for, the, for the Jews to live by faith, God knew it was necessary for him to intervene. You're going to have faith and then there's no intervention from God. There is no move of God. God knows the necessity of his intervention for faith to be victorious. So if we're going to live by faith, if we're going to live by faith, we need to know that God is going to uphold our faith, which means that God some way, somehow, sometime is going to intervene so that our faith proves to be real. He knows the necessity. So he sees your situation. And he knows that if he doesn't intervene, you're going to fall out of faith. I knew you sitting there saying, no, I'm never going to fall out of faith. You're not going to fall out of faith because God's going to intervene. You're his child. He's going to intervene. Am I talking to anybody today? So, so let me just give you a little record here, and I'll be finished. God intervened with Adam and Eve after Cain killed Abel and God expelled Cain, sent him away. God intervened and gave them another son that named him Seth. God intervened with Abraham and Sarah after they tried to find an alternative. And Sarah said, go to your handmaiden. You can have a child by her. God said, that, that wasn't my plan. God intervened and gave them Isaac. God intervened with Isaac and gave him Jacob and even intervened with Jacob and changed his name from trickster to prince of God. God intervened. Yeah. God, God, God has a plan that we don't see. So, right there. Jacob stole his brother's birthright. And we can look at Jacob stealing his brother's birthright. But we don't see God's plan. 
God intervened. Because Jacob means trickster. Don't, don't, I don't hope that no Jacob said. I was preaching one time. <laughs> so, you remember that, Sister Erica? I was preaching one time, maybe Sister Betty remembers. And I was talking about the names, and Lord, what a deacon son to name Jacob. And I said, Don't name your child Jacob. <laughs> oh, boy, you need to know the meaning of the name before you start naming your children. Everybody don't, don't, who doesn't have, don't have children, don't just give your child any name. Don't just be pulling names out of the sky and making up names. Know the meaning of what you're speaking in your child's life. Yeah. God intervened. God intervened with Israel and gave him Joseph. See, famine was in the land that people were going to die. But God gave him Joseph. And, 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 and even his brothers didn't see what God was doing. Let me tell you, we need God's perspective. But we don't see what God is doing. I know, I know that life gets difficult, but we don't see what God is doing. We need God's perspective. God intervened and gave Israel Joseph. Joseph was hated by his brothers and even thrown into a pit and sold into slavery. Amen. But God intervened in Joseph's life. Joseph was being raised up in part of his house and they lied on him. He was thrown into prison, but God's hand was on his life. You need God's hand on your life. Oh yeah, you need God's hand. God intervened even when Joseph was in the prison and raised him up in the nation of Egypt. And these are not fairy tales. This is the truth. Go read the record and go find the history book. Amen. These are not just fairy tales. God intervened. God intervened and positioned Joseph to not only save people in Israel, but to save his family. And through the life and the lineage of Joseph, God intervened and gave us Jesus. Oh, I can, I can continue to go on and on and on with the record. Amen. But, 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 but it's so important for us to understand, amen, that, 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 that God knows the necessity of his intervention. Hallelujah. In order for faith to be victorious. Without God, faith is not going to be victorious. Our faith is not just in the cement blocks and not just in the chairs. Our faith is in God. Amen. And God is a God of his word. That's why we say, if God has said it, God will perform it. He is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. God intervenes so that faith is victorious. So you're not just hoping aimlessly. Your hope is in God. Your faith is in God. Yeah. God intervened. Yes, it was to bring glory to his name, but it was also for faith to be triumphant. And even though Habakkuk didn't see the full end, he prophesied after he had made up his mind that he was going to watch, wait, and see because his faith is in God. He said, I'll wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nations invading us. While I'm waiting, God, I got the revelation. I want you to get the revelation today. Though the fig tree does not bud, 
There are no grapes on the vine. Though the olive crops fail and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, the reality of it is this is a difficult situation. That's the reality. That's reality. But I wait because the sovereign God is my strength. I wait because the God who rules and reigns and the God who can do what no other power in this world can do, the God who can send quail from the desert. Ah, there's no food in my house, but God can send somebody by tomorrow so that my children can eat. Mm. There's no money in my bank account. But the God who can rain down manna from heaven when my mortgage is due can call somebody to bless me and make sure my mortgage is paid or cause the mortgage company to give me a reprieve. Come on. God knows the necessity of his intervention. Of these things just don't happen, God intervenes because he wants your faith to be victorious for the just must live by faith. He intervenes. He intervenes. So don't just say, oh, that just happened. Nope. I told you about the time my grandma was one of my aunts. Blessed her and gave us something. She said, I thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you. My aunt, with her unspiritual self, said, don't, don't be thanking God. Thank me. I'm the one who gave it to you. But she didn't understand what my grandmother understood. Even though she was the one who gave it, she was just a vessel. The source is God. My grandmother's faith was in God. Yeah, so sometimes saints of God, when people come by and bless you, you need to say, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. When the doctor gives you a good report, just say, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, you, when, you, when the preacher was talking the other night about riding from Charlotte on fumes, yeah, he, I, I believe he was thanking the Lord. He got to the church uh, without running out of gas. Oh, I've been in that situation, amen, when my car's on empty and I'm praying, God, you got you, you to gotta do something in this situation because I don't see a gas station nowhere close by. And God allows me, now I've run out of gas sometimes, but God allows me on certain times to, to get to the, it's God. It's God. Amen. God knows the importance of his intervention for faith to be victorious. And in the midst of those things, we find consolation that even though we don't have an answer for every question, God is faithful. We're vexed in life by things. We know God is faithful. How many of you say God is in control and believe it? Well, why are you worrying? You can't worry and have faith at the same time. 
You can't be anxious and have faith at the same time. We say, well, God knows my, you, this thing, you got to fight. You got to fight for faith. Because the devil is going to do everything he can to try to undermine your faith. But remember, God knows the necessity of his intervention for faith to be victorious. There are some things that we've been praying for here at Tabernacle Praise. Seems like we've been praying for a long time for some things. But God knows the necessity of his intervention for faith to be, be victorious. And when faith is victorious, I got my answer. He doesn't do like I think he should do. He doesn't move according to my time frame. He doesn't move according to my agenda. I'm just one person in the midst of God's whole creation. I'm an important person. But my perspective has to be God's perspective. And I need to wait. I need to commit myself to waiting, to watching, to watching, to waiting, and to hoping in God for God to prove faith triumphant. Let's stand. Has God proven faith triumphant in anybody's life in here? You're triumphant in your faith because of what God did. It wasn't because you stood there. It's because God did it. Because you could still be standing there waiting, but God did it. God did it. And so, because you have faith in that situation, listen, there's something else coming that you can't see. There's some unknowns in life that you can't see, but God is preparing you so that in the next situation, there will be a severe test of faith, more severe than this one, so you'll be able to stand. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that when your word goes forth, it does not return to you void. It accomplishes all that you desire. Thank you for prospering your word in the things that you sent your word to. Thank you for sending your word to us today. Thank you, Father. Now, Lord, if there's any unsaved person in this building or watching us online, we claim their souls for you. We pray that you will draw them. Because it is not your will that anyone should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So we know it's your will that that unsaved person will receive you as Savior and Lord. Thank you, Father. Draw them now. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So if there is anybody watching us online, anyone in the sanctuary, You've heard this message. Maybe you still have some questions, but remember, in the midst of Habakkuk's difficult situation and 
vexing questions that he had, things that vexed him, that vexed the people of, of Judah. He finally resolved and promised to wait, to watch, to hope in God. What is the starting point for us? The starting point is Jesus Christ, who gave his life, shed his blood on the cross of Calvary. Satisfied the righteous requirement of God's law, that, which says the soul that sins shall surely die. He satisfied that requirement for every person in the world. This is what you have to do, though. You have to accept what the Lord did for you. You have to make the decision. You have to make the choice to accept Jesus as Savior and Lord so that the righteousness of Jesus Christ is, a, is credited to you. Accept his atoning sacrifice. In faith, this, this goes beyond the here and now. This goes into the eternal, but it starts in the here and now. Even if you don't understand it all, maybe you believe, prayerfully you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. God raised him from the dead so that you could have eternal life. Will you accept that? Will you give your life to Jesus today? It's making a decision. It's, it's making a choice for the Lord. It's making a choice that we, we, we can't be ashamed of. You, you can't be ashamed of the fact that you're a sinner and that you're lost. You can't be ashamed even to, to make the testimony before people. And Jesus said, if you're ashamed to own me, before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. The starting point is Jesus. If you want to accept Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, if you will, I want to lead you in this prayer. Whether you're in here or you're watching us online, makes no difference where you are. God can reach you. God is everywhere present all of the time. Just pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. Lord, I believe what the preacher said. You died on the cross to save me from my sin. You satisfied God's righteous requirement on my behalf. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Save me from my sin. I receive you now as my Savior and my Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. I pray that you've been blessed by the message. And if you have, write to us. Let us know how this message has impacted your life. 
or if you've made a decision for Christ today to follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, write to us and let us know that as well and give us your information so that we can follow up with you. You may write to us at Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. That's Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. Give us your email address or a way to contact you so that we can follow up with you. Also, we would like for you to sow into this ministry. If you've been blessed by this work, by the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel, and you would like to help further this cause, we're not just preaching here in the United States. We are preaching around the world. Through this podcast, our messages are being heard in many places around the world. We are actively working in eight countries in the world, on the ground in Liberia, Malawi, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Guinea, uh, Kenya, and Dominican Republic. So if you'd like to help us in this work, feel free to sow a seed to help further the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the expanding of the kingdom of God. If you would like to give, go to topraise.org forward slash give. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Continue to pray with us and for us as we continue to spread this gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. God bless you.